0: All right, go ahead. Welcome to Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast, uh, production of Verso Studios in Westport, Connecticut. And my name is Migs Burroughs, and
1: I'm Trace Burroughs, and we're excited uh, to have on our show today Stacy Keach, who's got hundreds of credits in film and television, Broadway. Um, he's won many awards, so let's get
0: into it and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so there's three hundred and seventy-three IMDB credits. So let's go through every one one way.
2: <laughs> one. Oh no, no. <laughs> spare me, spare me.
1: Okay. <sighs> so, so you have a question off.
0: Oh well, considering that how many, you know, we're 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 visual artists, the two of us. So, you know, of all the things we've done, there's probably a few things we wish we had never shown or, or should be in the basement. Of uh, all those credits. You don't maybe you don't have to mention them, but what do you do when you're in a, you know you're in a turkey and you can't escape? How do you deal with it as an actor? They say you know there's no bad roles, just bad actors that whole thing. Well, yeah. how, do you, how do you deal with that?
2: Well, I I believe that. I I mean <laughs> I'm one of the people who sort of endorse that that uh, point of view. I you know we've all been in situations where we're uncomfortable, and I think that for me. Uh-huh. The best way to make an adjustment to deal with the situation um, is to just, you know, take a positive image of something that you respond in a positive way to and hold on to that and and just uh, grin and bear it, you know. Um, and a lot of times, something that is very uncomfortable during the process of shooting mm or working in the theater, uh, less so, certainly, in the theater, but, uh,
3: it
2: turns out to not be so bad. I mean, I, I did a movie, a couple of movies, Italian movies back in the 70s and 60s that I thought, oh, I don't ever. I hope this is never shown me, <laughs> I pray to God. And then after a while, it, it became something of a cult issue one movie in particular it was called mountain of the cannibal god
0: wow good title
2: ursula andrus
0: oh Ursula Andres, remember her sure oh yeah wow
2: and it was a it was an italian film and um we shot it in sri lanka most of it yeah and it was it was agonizing in, in the beginning Mm-hmm. and then after a while it became i became very um enamored of it i and particularly of ursula i mean she, <laughs> she easy on the eyes that's for sure <laughs> and I,
0: was, what could be bad about
2: that it was a very bizarre experience we were shooting you know the story took uh, we were supposedly looking for uh, a, a person who was missing who had, money or treasure of some kind, and I was sort of the bad guy in this and that. Um, but we, we we shot in the jungles, and a very fine uh, uh, Italian actor who's passed away since uh, I forget his last name, Carlos. Well, I thought of you. Uh, but I can't remember his full name I am apologize but there was a scene where he had to take a cobra grab the cobra by the neck hold the cobra yeah. and, uh, and even though the cobra had been they'd sewn his mouth shut or something this went on for some time he was terrified of the snake and finally they got him to a point where he could reach out and pick up the snake. The next day we're shooting a scene in the water, in the river where we, the scene is our boat capsizes and we have to swim to shore, basically. Mm. Uh, this is Ursula, Carlos, I call him, Claudio, mm. um, and myself. Unbeknownst to Anybody, at the, uh, a white water cobra, Oof. climbing up the leg. Of oh. Her,
0: oh my god!
2: This, you know, and uh, all the, the people on the, on the the crew and um, other cast members were, you know, terrified. And he, Claudia, was right next to her. Because of his experience rehearsing, he reached out and he picked up this white water cobra and gave it to the sherpers.
3: Yeah.
2: Amazing experience. Oh. I wish I'd done it. Yeah. You know?
3: yeah. <laughs> a,
1: yeah. I have an excuse. For I,
3: was it. I was a witness.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, oh, my God. That's a great story. Do you, any, do you have any other stories like that? Here? Uh, it's awesome. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. Experience. yeah.
1: so um I we read you know we're doing research on you um you were offered the part of Damien Paris and the and The Exorcist in 1973 and you turned it down is that true and why did you turn I, it down?
2: I didn't turn it down no no, no it turned me down
1: oh, oh. Yeah.
2: yeah it turned me down I went to an audition on a Friday at the Sherry Netherlands Hotel Ellen Burstyn was there Linda Blair was there William Friedkin, William Peter Blatty. And I got a call from my agent after the audition, say, you got the part. You got the part. But they're only offering X amount of dollars. I said, well, that's all right. I got the part. Hmm. We think we can improve it. That night, William Peter Blatty and William Friedkin went to see Jason Miller's play the championship, championship season on Broadway and went out to dinner with him afterwards we so enamored with him oh. they decided we want you to play, Brother Damien. I got a call from my agent on Monday saying they, they passed. You're not you're not going to play the role. So what happened? Well, they wouldn't accept the money. That's well, the reason they they turned. It was presumably, you know. But it was you know. But there's a moral. Well. There's a good a, a positive ending to the story is that some years later, um, William Peter Bladder cast me uh, in um, the ninth configuration, which was called also Twinkle, Twinkle, Killer Kane. Mm. Yeah. And he directed that movie. And so there was sort of some kind of a, um, redemption, you know, um uh, for that ex- experience but yeah no i didn't i didn't turn it down it, yeah. it took me down
0: yeah the fickle hollywood
1: so, so um, how early on um you got into acting also music you're a composer i mean right. is this something you at what age did you like say hey i, I want to be an actor and i think i was around
2: 12 13. Uh, yeah, I was I was very young, and I come from an acting family. Uh, my 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 dad, mom, uh, my, my dad particularly, my mom, even though she acted when she was in college, she didn't really do, pursue it professionally. But yeah, I, I was I was either I, I didn't really music was not in my I I, I I learned how to play the piano, but I wasn't proficient enough to want to pursue a career. I wanted to act. I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, I did. I have said this is off off topic a little bit, but we one thing we have in common. Um <laughs> we, with, I mean, I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> we uh? both we both one thing we you and I have in common, we've both spent time in a British prison. <laughs> oh. Not where, as I, where where were you? It was Ashford, Middlesex. I don't know if it's still in existence. I know yours was reading, reading, right? Reading, yeah. Reading, reading, yeah. Which is no longer in existence. No, yeah.
2: The museum now.
0: Oh, okay. With the, yeah. is there a wax figure of you in it in the museum?
2: <laughs> you know, it's a time. I, I, I don't think so. But there is definitely one of Oscar Wilde.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> was he? That was he definitely. spent time there. <laughs> he did time there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, it was unfortunate. How did it change? I mean, now. I was only a month but um it, it briefly what it taught not taught me but it, what it stuck with me the rest of my life is that there's this fine line you're totally fine one day and you cross that little line that you're either have ignored or not aware of and then you're in a different world and your freedom is gone and everything
2: yeah oh, yeah. Uh, yeah and when I was there I I was coming off of uh, my camera you know um So I was well known, and well known to the prisoners as well.
0: Oh,
2: it was a mixed bag of reactions inside, you know. But I was the governor. The governor (laughs) put me in charge of the library, and I I had to, I had to select films for to to show the inmates uh, on the weekends. Once once, I think once a month yeah so I showed all my movies
1: <laughs> ah, that's Stacy each nice film Festival to yeah,
2: yeah.
1: was there any like real like tough guys that you had to like stay away from or threatened you or you know
2: not 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 the inmates but the the, the screws
0: oh you know? yeah <laughs> so, oh yeah they were mean
2: they're mean
0: oh yeah
2: and they enjoyed they enjoyed uh their power over the inmates but i i uh, it was an, it was an amazing experience um i was there six months
1: mm. can't imagine yeah. yeah i almost got imprisoned when i went to england i was into tequila like early 20s and uh i had the salt you know so i could do the salt and the whole thing and when I went out of a club the cops stopped me and I said oh no it's just salt they thought it was cocaine I said no it's just salt I like drinking tequila and they never heard of this thing and there was and so they took me to the station and there was like 10 cops and luckily one of them says oh I've heard about this I mean back in those days you could only buy tequila in London at an international liquor store they only Mm -hmm. had whiskey and basic uh alcohol at At bars, and so luckily this cop said, "Oh yeah, I know about that, and they let, they let me go. They were looking for some drug pusher, but right. i was I was the one yeah
0: you know. yeah, so did you' you're obviously a man of faith and when did that start in in prison or or you know because I know they sometimes in my case, they sent a um you know a man of the cloth to talk to me and comfort me, supposedly, but you know it didn't stick but uh, I'm just in your case. Is that did that happen in prison?
2: Yes, uh, they sent a man of the cloth to me as well. Yeah. But I, I, was, I, I had a, a spiritual uh, identity prior to that. Oh, but my my family yeah, I, I was brought up in the uh, Episcopal Church uh, in uh, Southern California, and I was visited by this priest who was very very well he was very friendly um and my parents used him to communicate with me hmm. and also to i think they sent me some cigarettes <laughs>
0: Smoking smoking those days uh-huh. uh,
2: and after after the experience my parents were so grateful to him for, for keeping in touch they offered to send him bring him and his wife to Southern California no oh. for a, a visit and they 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 came and they did um
0: uh, is that where you live now are you in Southern California
2: uh yes yeah. uh, well I Beverly Hills I, we have, my yeah. wife I have a uh a condom where i am now
0: uh-huh.
2: but we also have a house in poland my wife is polish oh She's married for 37 years coming next week actually
0: excellent and you're and a polish citizen right you, you have citizenship
2: i am indeed i'm a dual citizen um and uh yeah we will we'll be coming we'll be going to our house in uh, a couple of weeks
1: so. so you're you're also a composer kind of music did you compose?
2: Well, I I, I uh, mostly sort of I call a schmaltzy <laughs> oh. m- music, um, movie musical. But I play jazz and I play classical. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, I cover the, even though recently um, I've got my hand, my right hand um, is, I've got carpal tunnel syndrome in my right hand. Mm. And I can't use a full octave on a keyboard, so I can only play with two fingers oh. on my right hand, and it's very frustrating. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm, I'm this is recent, so I'm oh. hoping that with therapy and, you know, I can re- regain that uh, function.
1: Anyway. So you have a piano at home and you just for, for leisure, you know, you play it? Yeah, I play, yeah. I, I, I
2: have a piano and also synthesizers. i, I I play on
0: um. Uh, yeah. Now your your roles have ranged. I mean you know, again, three hundred and more hundreds of credits, but you know, just to name a few of the the range, you know, Sergeant Sedenko in, in Up in Smoke, and Smoke, to the Teaching shock movie, Hamlet, Nixon. I mean it goes on and on. What I'm curious, um, do you how do you do you need not need, but do you like because I've heard some actors say that in order, you know, to get into the character. They could have one little thing in their pocket like a little memento or, or the mm. on the hat all of a sudden i'm in character you, as soon as you put the hat on or sure yeah. is that do you find do you have those kind of things those
2: yeah once in a while yes i do yeah uh, it depends of course on the role and it depends on the circumstances but but
3: uh
2: i think it's helpful for actors to to trigger a memory or to trigger an emotion mm that is triggered by something that's familiar, something that's, um, that, that has an emotional connection with you or with me. I mean, you, you know, the old rabbit's foot mm-hmm. syndrome. But, uh, like, I'm
3: sorry, I was going to ask oh. specifically
0: if there's something that got you into Nixon's head or, you know, that helped you get there.
2: Well, I, I... I had a vivid memory of the night that he uh, resigned because I, I was I was in a studio and I I actually saw mm. live, yeah, all that chatter before he went on the air.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah. but there was nothing specific. That, uh that i kept in uh, you know in my pocket or my uh, that re- related to nixon uh, so it was so more, more memory than anything
1: right so, you have act- like when you're starting out did you- were there actors that inspired you that you wanted to emulate or you know give you inspiration
2: well i you know i listened of course to many of his uh tapes and and I, I did a a very slight imitation in uh-huh. uh, but I didn't I didn't want to um, I think a lot of times when actors are playing a character, a real character that it becomes detrimental if the actor tries too hard to to
3: um,
2: Imitate or uh, every aspect of that personality of that personality. Better to because what what happens then is you 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 lose what the actor what what the actor is what his point of view is toward that particular character. If, If it's so much about the imitation and how well how well you imitate then it's, I think it's detrimental to the character ultimately. One of my first experiences was in off-Broadway playing Lyndon Johnson in a, a, a satire written by Barbara Gerson called Meg Bird.
0: Oh, I remember that.
2: Yeah, it was a combination of uh, the Scottish play and uh, uh, it was about the assassination of Kennedy. And, and Johnson was the, the bad guy. McBird, hmm. you know. So, I did. I did very. I think a very bad imitation of Johnson, <laughs> but uh, it worked. What can I say? Um, did you? So you watch I remember it? one of the first lines was, "So foul, unfair a day I have not seen." <laughs> I did it in the rhythm, yep. uh, with his rhythms. And I I was brought up in Texas during you know the summers of my youth particularly, uh, so I Texas Texas was very much in my oh, is it? yeah.
0: How old were you when you left Savannah? Because you grew up in Savannah, right?
2: Very young, six oh. months. Uh, yeah. oh, oh,
0: okay.
3: my,
2: my! dad was offered he was teaching at Armstrong Junior College, but he was offered a job at the Pasadena Playhouse. Oh yeah, which was just recently given a tune. Um, as an actor-director. So they threw me in the back of their Nash Rambler and headed, drove to California.
0: We had one of them. We had a Nash Rambler, too. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you watch?
1: Do you watch your, you watch your performances? I mean, did, I've heard of some actors say, I can't watch myself, you know. Oh, it, it depends. I,
2: I, I don't, I don't mind. I'll watch the final product.
1: Yeah. But in the old
2: days, you know, some directors would get very upset if you didn't join them at the dailies. Oh. Robert Alton. Yeah. He, he wanted every actor to be there and sit down there, you know, uh, have a break and, or smoke and come to the dailies, you know? And I mean, I just, I didn't like it. I, because what happens, I think, with young actors who are just starting out, they tend to make judgments that are not necessarily accurate about their performance hmm. uh, um, and then they start saying oh i uh, i hope they use take one instead of take two oh, wow. you know, and they start talking That you what you what are you what you come to realize and learn is that out of your hands the only thing you can control is your performance obviously and but in, in terms of how it's used or you know that's out of your control that's an editor's and a director's job
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the sooner you get off of that and try to you know a lot of actors, you know unless they're directing if an actor is directing something it's different because he makes the choices to what take he wants to use or you know.
0: yeah the editing can change your performance entirely
2: right oh totally and i learned that early on i learned it i said wait a minute i want to just take yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's out of your hands. Yeah. Give while, it once you abandon that notion that you have you know, it's it's very liberating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can do whatever you you know. And I, I always think that when a director wants to do more than one take, you know generally speaking, what you what I try to do is to always give the direct give the character something. Different, a different interpretation, a different reading. Mm -hmm. You know, I did a movie with Kurt Russell, and I had John Carpenter was the director, (laughs) and I'll never forget. uh, After one take, that uh, John came up to uh, Kurt and said, "That was great. That was perfect. Absolutely, absolutely perfect." And he said, "Let's do another one." He said, "Well, if it's so perfect, why don't we just print that one twice?"
0: Was that Escape from Los Angeles? Was that Escape from Yeah,
2: yeah, it was a good line. I
0: like that.
1: Have you Have you ever done a like a performance in film or television, and you and you see and you go, "Oh, I wish I did it a different way." All the time, always, (laughs) yeah, always, yeah.
2: But I, 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 I. I guess as I've mellowed over the years, I've, I've become less hard on myself in terms of those, you know. Because you realize that, that an audience doesn't really know or care the difference between take one and take two. I mean, yeah. and they're just responding to what they see. So I tend to become a member of the audience more so hmm. than the actor who created in a particular moment
0: have you ever worked with Clint Eastwood who's notorious for just one take right then you don't get to then you don't get to explore right
2: I've never worked with him no yeah yeah
0: we've worked with some and and the other part of your you know expansive career is this is narration which you've got you know this wonderful voice but uh how do you is, is that purely a vocal thing or do you do you have you know where do you uh how do you know how to modulate your you know if that's the right word
2: well it depends I mean usually you know even though you're just doing a voice mm-hmm. job whether it's an animated character like I did in, uh, in Disney's uh, planes mm-hmm. like Skipper or narrating um a show like American Greed which I've done for
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: 15 years well that's a career crea- becomes a care that is a character, mm-hmm. character. All right. you know um, there's a difference between a very subtle difference between I think between an announcer mm-hmm. a an narrator yeah. there's a different tone a different feeling even though in today's world I, I li- I'm a baseball fanatic. I love baseball, and I listen to these guys, you know, talking about the pitch and the zone, and, the, <laughs> and I re- And generally speaking, they're very low key. I mean, nobody could be Ben Scully. I mean, he was—he was, yeah, yeah. He was um, unto himself. He was a total genius, at modulating and making yeah. baseball exciting. Um, yeah, he was great, but since that time, I—I I mean, most of these announcers are ex-ball ball players themselves, mm. but they tend to all sound alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's just because uh, it, I don't think you know nobody's really interested in um, creating a, a star out of an announcer. I mean, very few. I mean, Ben Schuller's a great example. Um,
0: Howard Cosell. Howard, hey, Howard. Howard.
2: Yeah. um The 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 Chicago Cubs. Um, oh God, what was his announcer? Um, I think he was one of the, he, it, almost been Ben Schuller's league. I forget his name.
0: Have you ever done a base? Have you ever asked to go in the booth and do a game or been a guest?
2: I yes I have. I, oh. I was a guest at a Cubs game, as a matter of fact. Oh oh cool. Oh. Yeah, a long time. I was doing a play in Chicago and they, I had a few minutes with this. Yeah, it
0: was yeah. so the other before we run out of time, I wanted to talk about your um the foundation, the Cleft Palate Foundation. I mean people, Oh yes, yes, and, indeed. And that's still active and, and what is how well, does it, how does it work how does it help
2: well it helps parents it helps parents i think come to understand that when their child is born with a cleft that it's not the end of the world and they're, you know operation smile is also a very good organization that
3: mm.
2: it was very positive in that respect i worked with john mccain mm. who adopted a child um, that had a cleft and he discovered that they were not giving insurance for any kind of cleft situations um, because they felt that it was it was a birth it was not a birth defect that it was or a congenital birth defect that it was a cosmetic problem. Oh, see, <laughs> and so we went to, we went to Washington together. Yeah. Oh. years ago. And we we lobbied for getting insurance and coverage for kids who had lefts and families and not only not only for the post-operative situations, but also the, during the surgeries themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a terrible situation. I mean, to to, to say, when a child is born with a cleft that it's cosmetic yeah. and it can be dealt with um, with plastic surgery well of course it can be but they didn't cover it. Hmm. it Was not covered medically it is now oh good yeah
0: and where is their website or how can people if people are interested and people are listening that might know somebody or a family member that
2: operation smile is a, a very good place to go okay. uh, Cleft Palette Foundation is what I'm an honorary um, uh, spokesperson for. Uh, also, the World Craniofacial Foundation out of Texas is another organization that I work with. Um, but it's mainly to give comfort, mm-hmm. assurance, and positive energy to parents and also to do patients who have experienced I was very lucky. I didn't have a terrible vocal Mm. uh, situation. Because most, you know, a lot of kids (laughs) Mm. and to correct that takes therapy. And that also was a part of what we hope, you know, and there's still some controversies about how much of that is going to be covered with insurance. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: how about the emotional aspect? I know we there was a kid in grade school, you know, that had a cleft palate, and you know, he was teased, and it was yeah. a shame because nobody understood, you know, why does he talk funny and all that thing. Did you suffer any of that emotional?
2: Yes, I, I did. Yeah, I did. But I I came from a wonderful family who was very supportive and very smart about. How to deal with situations like that and even though i was teased mm. uh, uh, it, it created yeah. it created a sort of a, a burning um drive in me to over accomplish things i mean mm. i i was very i was a good student i was a good athlete and uh oh i i, I felt like in order i can't just be good i had to be the best yeah so that that became a, a side issue in terms of that's what happens when if you have a some kind of a deficiency mm-hmm. uh, to compensate for that and that's what happened to me.
0: yeah and you turned out you know here you are someone who who's you owe i guess part of your living to your great voice you know <laughs> so in spite <laughs> of all that you know yeah um it's
2: strange how things you know happen for everybody i mean it's, everybody has their own journey mm-hmm. um, well, to on a positive you know and productive string is it requires work it's not something you just mm-hmm. happen you know yeah it's a discipline and yeah. One thing I learned doing a lot of Shakespeare is that in order to play Hamlet or Lear or one of these great parts it requires a, a tremendous amount of concentration, study, mm-hmm. and um, that is something that doesn't come naturally to a lot of actors, you know. and It's something you have to sort of. But I was very fortunate. I was. I, I, I got a Fulbright scholarship to England, and I studied at the London Academy of Music and the Guard Had some wonderful teachers mm-hmm. there. And Brian uh, Cox and I were in school together.
0: Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you could have played that. I could see you in succession. As...
2: Uh-huh. He but... stole my room. <laughs> 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 I'm very happy for the success. He's a wonderful actor.
0: And... And the physicality—I mean, you know—we played fall staff, right? I mean, these are very physical yeah. roles too, right? You, I mean, it's not just in your head. I mean, you, your body has to be prepared for.
2: Well, that's right. Well, I—I've often said this, and particularly when I was teaching, uh, acting is like is a very athletic experience. You've got to be like an—you've got to be at the same level as an athlete in what you're doing. Um, whether that has to do with memorization or movement, uh, for me, physicality was very important. You know, being able to physicalize uh, a role is, I think, uh, you know, how how a person walks, hmm. uh, what their their gestures are. Um, those are elements that require a certain amount of discipline to study them. To study that behavior process because actors, basically actors are what they are. We're, we're behavioral models. We model behavior. Mm. That's what we do. Mm. Uh, and the expression of whatever behavior we're talking about is something that I find to be the most compelling and fascinating part of being an actor in a way. That plus research. I love doing research on it. Period or wow. caregiver, it's a real kid. If it's somebody i playing, it was actually alive. And lived. Mm. I love being able to discover not only things about them and their families and their relationships, but also the period from which they mm. bring, you know, the time, what's going on in the world. So I guess we're not only behavioral historians, uh, but uh, yeah uh actually just literal historians being mm-hmm. yeah
0: um well yeah these are people you're portraying people that that changed history even the, yeah. same, yeah. the most common person has their plays their part that way
2: Right. all
0: anyway, right Chase did you have any uh last uh, questions before we, we Any, any we last? Covered, I'm, yeah I'm sorry we covered a lot oh yeah we covered a lot thank you any anything you wanted upcoming things you want to mention oh, I,
2: no i'm just i'm very happy to still be working and uh, yeah. I, I had a great experience with james spader on the blacklist
0: oh the blacklist yeah
2: i did a before yeah i played a, a running part played robert besko
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: on the Blacklist. it was a wonderful show i loved that show and i'm still doing um uh, the Archbishop of New York, uh, Tom Selleck, on uh, Blue Bloods. Yeah. Which is still on the air after 13.
0: Yeah, amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah.
2: great. So I'm, I'm very, well, I'm blessed and I'm very grateful. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, we're grateful for your time because you're, you're uh, so accomplished and uh, it was great to be able to get a little insight into your life there. And yeah. Well, thank you. Thank that you. Fascinating stories. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I've enjoyed this. Thank you, guys. All right. We'll You're in Westport?
0: Westport, Connecticut. Have you ever been at the Westport Country Playhouse?
2: I certainly have. Oh. I used to live, I had a house in Greens Farms. Greens uh-huh. Farms? Okay, yeah. Really? I rented a house from a wonderful uh, painter. Her name was Enid Monroe.
0: I know Enid Monroe. I you? Knew, she's gone. She's passed away. But I know. Yes, I, I know. Yeah. I, knew, I knew Enid, yeah.
2: I lived in her house.
0: Oh, no kidding. Excellent.
2: The Judy Collins. We lived there for a couple she, of years.
0: Really? Oh, right. yeah. Never heard that story. Okay. I mean, I and her daughters. I forget Olivia and Alexandra. I think I forget. She's, I
2: don't. I didn't know her family.
0: Two right. or three daughters. Anyway, yeah. It,
2: you knew her though. That's great.
0: Yeah. Well, we're, so- we're we're artists, It's an artist community, and you know, we know we all sort of knew each other.
2: Yeah. She um, she spent a lot of time in the Orient. Hmm. That's one. That's one of the reasons why we were able to rent her house.
0: Oh, so it was more than just staying over for a play. You lived. You lived here for. A while.
2: We rented her house for. I think it was almost two years. Yeah. Oh. And she lived. This house was right behind the um, the bird sanctuary. Um,
0: that's right. The Audubon. The Audubon. Yeah.
2: I, I could climb over the fence and I was. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, what a wonderful artist. Um, oh,
2: yeah. um, well, thank you, guys. I've enjoyed this.
1: Okay. Well, thank, thank you. Have a great day. Yep. Bye.